ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय यस्टरडे वी डिस्कस्ड द वर्ड्स by whom even great demigods and sages are bewildered now in this <coughs> section this one line which we just read today just now the nature of that illusion is being described first of all in this very uh, terse statement tejo vari mridang yatha which means like it, it just means like fire water and earth so this needs a little unpacking or explaining because it's uh, how do we understand that what what is maya like and you say it's like fire water and earth and without explaining we won't understand what that means shila <coughs> prabhupad writes or gives the translation one is bewildered yeah by him even the great sages and demigods are placed into illusion so how are they placed into illusion as one is bewildered by the illusory representations of water seen in fire or land seen on water personally i'm not familiar with maybe someone else's representations of water seen in fire maybe if you see a big fire you might have an optical illusion of seeing water but we're all familiar with the illusion of water seen on land it's called a mirage and mirages can take other forms also but by far the most common seems to be that of seeing water on land where it's not actually there it's only an appearance of water it's a common thing on a hot day when you're driving along or walking along if we're living more naturally <laughs> uh we'll see what appears to be a pool of water on the road but as we've seen many such mirages before we usually guess that it's just an illusory representation of water it's not there's no actual water there <coughs> we are told i don't have much experience of being in deserts but we are told that in the desert the big desert the famous deserts of the world sahara desert it's probably the most famous and biggest that there may appear to be not just water but a whole oasis somehow the scientists can explain by refraction of light there's not just water but there'll be trees and date palm trees <coughs> and 
a traver, one who's going through the desert, experiencing severe heat and wanting water, will see that and go toward it, but as they go toward it, it either moves further away or when they reach the spot where they thought that they had seen an oasis, they find just more sand. There's nothing actually there. So, it is an example of how illusion takes place. Now, a very important word here is Amrisha. There's the definition here, Satyam Param Dhimahi. We are discussing what is the Satyam Param, the Supreme Truth. And here a term is used, Amrisha, which Srila Prabhupada translates here as almost factual. I'm saying Srila Prabhupada translates here. Why am I saying that? Because words can be differently, they can be translated differently in different contexts. And even within the same context, the word can be translated differently and they will give a different meaning. So I'm, I'm stating how Srila Prabhupada has chosen or how he was dictated by Krishna to translate this important word in this important verse although it, it can be uh, understood in various ways but Srila Prabhupada is translated as almost factual now Amrisha this word it's negation of the word Mrisha. That's the one of the common ways of uh, forming a negative word in Sanskrit. To, if the, uh, a word is there and you place an uh in front of it or, or if the word begins with a vowel un and that produces the uh, the antonym or, or almost antonym <laughs> just like we have the word achara what is the meaning of achara not pickles no it means behavior and by extension it means good behavior. So, anacha means not non-behavior, but bad behavior or wrong behavior. So, there's an example. So, amrisha. Mrisha means falsity. So, not falsity. Now, that doesn't, that may seem like a strange definition of truth because falsity is itself a condition of non-truth. There's no falsity without truth. So Amrisha here, it's it's not false. It's almost factual. But it's not it's not satyam param. It's not the really real thing. It's not the vastava vastu. The the actual the the 
entity possessing actual substance, like the mirage. It's called a mirage because it is something, it's not nothing. There is something there, but it's not what it appears to be. It is, it, by seeing it, we are deluded into considering it to be something which it is not, but it is something. It's mirage, it's not water, but it's an appearance of water. So this is uh, very important for understanding the nature of the material world in relation with the Supreme Truth, Krishna, who manifests Janmadhyasyayataha. He manifests this material world. This is the world of illusion. It is, uh, and then we'll find also Dhana Svena. He's in his own abode and this material world is the perverted reflection of the spiritual world, which is fully real. And this material world is real, but it's real in the sense that a mirage is, it's a real mirage, but a mirage is only a representation of something else. So if we see the mirage and we think that this is water, that's uh, an illusion. So this material world is real, but what is it? It's a real illusion. But what is an illusion? It's something unreal. Not exactly. It's an illusion. It is not, it's not something which is unreal, but it is, uh, well, at least in this sense, it is... Uh, it is imagining something to be what it is not. And that is also the meaning of maya, that which is not. So here Vyasadeva refutes the theories of the impersonalists. Of course, Shankaracharya, uh, the most famous impersonalist of this Kali Yuga, the uh, towering Acharya of the impersonalists. He wasn't the first impersonalist, of course, even historically. According to our knowledge, he's, his guru was Gaudapad. So this impersonalism, it's always there in human society. It's not, it's not something that Shankaracharya invented. It's always there because the material world is a place of illusion of Krishna, uh, envy of Krishna. And Mayavad is, uh, it is the uh, preferred philosophy of persons who are intellectually envious of Krishna, who, who are not content simply to be envious with Krishna, but want to make a whole philosophy out of it. And to express it as the truth or sometimes they express that there is no truth there is no such truth there is no there is no truth there is no thing at all there is no meaning everything is uh, Buddhism is shunyavad empty emptiness what is what is everything empty no meaning all meaningless so under various Banners, flags, concepts, theories, 
There are attempts to describe this material world as false. And the Vaishnava Acharyas also say that. But it is important to understand exactly what we mean when we say it is false. It is false because it is falsely perceived as a place of enjoyment for the jivas. And it is false because it is temporary. So we can't, it, it's, it's not eternally existing, it's just, uh, it's something like uh, some fireworks in the sky, you see them and they just last for a short time. You can even make a design out of the fire, if you some, some fireworks. So you may see a, a formation of a, of a star, star of David. Something like that. Six, six pointed star. Somehow, I think it's in Western culture, they show stars as just something with a different triangles joined together, but I don't know where they got that idea from. So you may make some, some design like that with fireworks, but it's gone. Or a dream. That's a, that's a common example. We say the dream is false, but during the dream, the dreamer experiences it to be real. But when he wakes up, he thinks, well, that was just a dream, that was false. But in the dream, you may uh, call out with fear, because the, the experience is real. Or as Srila Prabhupada notes, there may be a... Uh, seminal ejaculation in the dream or one may kick physically kick in the dream it's a, it's a response of the gross body to that which is perceived subtly within the mind but another example you wake up and you're, you're feeling fear from the dream some nightmare and you wake up oh, then you realize, oh, it was only a dream. Oh, okay. It wasn't real. But you were experiencing as it is real. So in the same way, this our, our experiences in the waking state are also unreal because they're temporary. They're real in as much as we experience them and that the experience of fear, the experience of elation, the experience of lust, all these various experiences which actually often in the dream state they seem to be more intense than in the waking state, isn't it? Anyone remembers their dreams? Sometimes they seem to be very intense, intense fear. <sighs> Seems... But then you wake up and then it's back to our day-to-day -day existence. But that's also temporary. And uh, although I say a dream, doom, it's just gone. I went to sleep, I had a dream, I woke up and, and now it's back to, back to reality. But that reality is also just a... It's difficult. Yeah, I did it. Okay. It's also a flick in time. Snapping of the fingers. Just like you, you, you may see some 
some you're sitting in a room and you see the the bird fly, some bird flying past the window so just like you see it's gone so like that our whole life from Brahma's perspective this life and you know we have our hopes our aspirations we're doing so many things we have so many ambitions so many plans but from Brahma's perspective you know, he, he may look at you and a, a baby down here baby just born Brahma sneezes he looks again and the same baby is being cremated 80 years old in terms of Brahma's time it's it's a snapping of the fingers so it these are this is another example the exa- one example is given here is of a mirage and there are other examples also I gave that example of the dream daydream and night dream it's false it's not wholly untrue therefore it's almost factual we can't say it's totally unreal but it's even our whole existence in this material world after many many billions of lifetimes we may finally think that Vasudeva Sarvam Iti actually Krishna is what it's all about okay let me chant Hare Krishna and then go to Krishna but even the whole material existence over billions of lifetimes is also in terms of infinity it's it's infinitesimal anything measurable compared to infinity however big that you can get huge numbers in, in the Vedic mathematical system they have huge numbers we don't have words in English or maybe the mathematicians have invented them you know you're doing the astronomy so they have I, they go beyond Koti to Arabud and then there are what, what other terms there are all kinds of terms huge numbers so however big the number is compared to infinity it's Vrinder is maybe one of them yeah. hundreds of billions they have words for it because you need it huh? you know the word Google search engine Google is supposed to mean one with hundred zeros is it yeah that's how they get that's it. how they got the term alright that's interesting that's in that's a Vedic term <laughs> Sanskrit term I don't think so <laughs> doesn't sound like it maybe that's a newly invented one but well mathematics is in the western world has been going on since the time of what and Pythagoras was he the first yeah they say they invented it but you have invaded mathematics all the things sines cosines all trinog everything and logarithms also do you know about that they had anyway the point is that <laughs> however long our material existence may seem it's just a flash in infinity so just like that if you say you say you're going on the road and you trip and your your head spins giddiness we've all had that experience some giddiness 
and it seems like the whole world is just going round and round and then you oh vertigo you experience that you get up suddenly maybe you're sleeping deeply and all of a sudden there's a loud sound and you jump up and then oh you feel like you're going to pass out and the whole world seems like it's spinning round and round and then it settles down although actually nothing's moving it just there's an experience the world stops spinning actually the world's not spinning just we say our head is spinning actually our head is not spinning but it feels like that and then it settles down and then you go on with life whatever you're doing so like that uh, that experience it's, it just lasts a short time and then we go on with life and there is nothing there's nothing real about it just like we say our head is spinning it's because it seems like that but actually the head is not spinning and we say my head has stopped spinning but it wasn't spinning you, you must say that in your language also right my head was spinning but I mean actually it's impossible for the head to spin without the rest of the body spinning spinning in the head uh-huh all right, but actually it's, there's nothing spinning in the head either. <laughs> it's not that your brain is revolving. <laughs> but it seems like that. It seems like that and therefore we say it is like that. But actually it's not that. Not that means maya. So in the same way it seems that I am a Britisher. I am married to this, this is my wife, these are my children, it seems real, and in one sense it is real, again the, the experience is real or the forms, the forms are real, but they are unreal in as much as they have no permanent existence. They are, they are no constitutional position. There is no... Just like I may say, my name is John Smith. That is, in English, the that is the name you use. It's like uh, in Sanskrit, Devadatta. It means Mr. Ordinary. It's like the most ordinary name you could imagine. John Smith. So... You say this, and, and that name is identified with a certain body. But that body has no, it, it, it constitutionally it doesn't exist. It's, this is another usage, Tejo Vari Mridang Yata. It is a combination of earth, fire, and water. It is constituted from material nature, and that, that, this form, this. Uh, this finger which you now see you might be eating it or ingredients of it or some some human being may be eating the ingredients of this finger at some point in time because after the ingredients after this body dies and it, it's either buried and rots away or is burned and the ashes mingle with the earth and I, I'm not sure but I would guess that the ashes of a dead body would make a very good fertilizer 
and uh, and then if that is you know and then the uh, well usually they wouldn't use it as a fertilizer but anyway it'll get mixed with the soil and then that will transform into cabbages or whatever and someone may come along and eat it and some chemicals which were in my finger some of those chemicals will be in the cabbage and again it will become a human some those those molecules of course they'll go and at least the atoms we could say they'll, some atoms which were identified with this body they'll become identified with another body so what is real about John Smith it's just a uh, an identity which is a temporary identity in that which is mm, planted or, or it is I, what is the word it is uh, well it's, it's an identity which is identified with that's not very good well I guess that's what we're trying to say it's, I, and I, it's an identity which is identified with that particular body but that even that personality of John Smith that's also not the real person it, neither the body is the person nor the body exists except for a flash in time but even that personality John Smith we may say he's a, a vivacious person do you have that word? vivacious means like outgoing extroverted uh, sociable uh, we may say he's a pretentious person we may, there may be so many adjectives which can describe John Smith but in another life he may have another personality or even in the same life sometimes people they go through like a whole transformation someone who's very extroverted becomes very introverted they have some traumatic experience and then they withdraw or by drugs they, they, they can change I saw my mother who was a now you can understand why I'm crazy because <laughs> my mother was crazy I guess you could call it that's not a very charitable way of putting it but it more or less describes the situation so I used to see her I used to go visit her in the mental hospital they probably have a new euphemistic term for it these days but we used to call them mental hospitals and uh, you go and see her one week and she'll be all oh, happy and the next week she'll be all dull just depending on which drugs they decided to pump her with during the last week it, it, it affects the consciousness temporarily <laughs> that's the point everything is temporary so is, is it real? yes is it real? no is this a Buddhist koan? No, it's not. It has symptoms of reality. But if we examine from another perspective, we can say that it's not real. It's real in as much as there is something there but that something is not substantial it's neither permanent 
nor is it of the nature of reality because reality is Satchidanandamai eternal full of bliss and knowledge but this there is something there but it's not eternal full of bliss or knowledge therefore it's called Asat this is a, the term Sat an important word means that which is true that which is real that which is good all these terms are covered by the word Sat and the opposite Asat just like Mrisha, Amrisha the opposite Asat means which is not real it's not eternal and it's not good so that is the nature of our interaction with Maya Maya is actually not Asat she is Sat she is a servant of the supreme Sat Satyam true Satyam means true so Maya herself is not bad but it's our relationship with her we, we we make a relationship with Maya instead of directly making our relationship with Krishna so it's very important to understand the nature of Maya because misunderstanding of the relation of what is Maya we may that's another word which is probably entering the western vocabulary isn't it? Maya at least among trendy people Buddhists and all this they may use this word so-called Buddhists of the western world they may use this word Maya but not understanding what Maya is is also Maya to misunderstand Maya is, is another form of Maya so to properly understand the Paramsatya, the Supreme Truth, we have to know also the nature of Mitya. What is illusion? We cannot understand what is true without coming out of the untrue. Therefore, it is required to know, as the Ishopanishad said, it is necessary to cultivate knowledge of the real and of illusion. Now, that doesn't mean that we, when we cultivate knowledge of illusion that we have to learn all kinds of rubbish things and learn how to be in Maya, but we to learn what is the nature of Maya how she is connected to the Paramsatya, how she affects us and why she affects us. This is very important. Why the, 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 this, this is one of those big unanswered questions or very inadequately answered questions in Western attempts at theology. Why are we suffering in this world? Well, the great answer is because long ago, Adam ate an apple. And that's why there's so much suffering in the world. You know, read the newspaper. Another, another 200 people bombed to death in Iraq. And 
all the wonderful happenings in Kosovo and it's all because Adam ate an apple. I mean this is really poor theology. Not at all convincing. So Bhagavad Gita gives the essence of it that Purusha Sukadukanam Bhutritvehi Turuchati this suffering and distress of the living being in the material world is caused by what is it caused by? Is it caused by God? He threw is he threw us here, it's all his fault. Is anything wrong, blame him. Jato Dosh Nanda Ghosh, as it said in Bengali. Whatever's wrong, blame it on Nanda Ghosh. <laughs> or uh, who's Nanda Ghosh? Well, anyone doesn't matter. Find someone and blame them. <laughs> Sado Koba. What is that? There's another funny saying. That, uh, what is that? Chor ko chori Sado ko bande Patik ko lagave fangshi Dhanda kali jug Teri tamasha Dukkalagi or hashi. That means that uh, there's a thief, let him go. There's a sadhu, tie him up. So, well, there's been a crime, someone should be punished. Okay, just grab someone from the street and hang him. This is wonderful Kali Yoga. Teri Tamasha, your show. And now we have the Kali Yuga show. Do, 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 do. It's the Kali Yuga show. Have a look in the newspaper. And what do we do? I, when we say it, we feel distressed, but we laugh also. We don't know whether to laugh or cry. It's so crazy. So where were we in discussing the, uh, the nature of Maya? I got lost in... Huh? There we are, I'm in Maya. <laughs> huh? Huh? We have to... Ah, yeah. Who, what is the cause of our, our suffering? Uh, well, the cause is... Uh, yeah, blame it all on God. It's God's fault. He put me here. Or they can put it around the other way. God... God put us in this world, He put the animals here, so He, he wanted us, us to eat them. That's the proof. <laughs> this world was made by God, I'm in it, animals are in it, I like to eat animals, so God likes me to eat animals. More wonderful logic. God gave man dominion over the animals. So what is the well? What is the cause of our suffering? This kind of logic. That's the cause of our suffering. What is the cause? What is in Bhagavad Gita? Krishna says that we ourselves are the cause of our suffering. We have brought it upon ourselves. There's a story in the Mahabharata, very instructive story, which I've repeated many times and it's well worth repeating again. How one king in his court, he asked all his ministers, which means the learned Brahmanas, 
this important question. That why do we not give up Maya? This is a common question even today. At least among, among devotees. Why do we not give up Maya? We are listening all all the time, all these classes and you know, Maya's cause of suffering and it's not good and we should give it up and still we don't give it up. Why? What is the reason? So all the different Brahmins gave their reasons and there's one older Brahmin who's just sitting there not saying anything. So they all said what they had to say and then they looked at him because he was supposed to be the wisest he hadn't said anything. So he was just sitting there, all looking at him. So all of a sudden he got up and he ran to the pillar and embraced it. And said, let me go! Let me go! Let me go! I thought, oh, he's, he's become senile. So after he finished his little drama, he said, that's why we don't give up Maya. We're holding on tightly and saying, let me go, let me go, let me go. We are holding on. <laughs> but to us, it seems that prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvashaha ahankara vimudhatma katamani we think I am doing. We want to think that I am doing, but we are con we are controlled by my. Why are we controlled by my? Because we think I am doing. We don't want to give up that sense of separateness from Krishna. So it's. A, Three sargaha, three modes of creation. This is differently understood as three modes of material nature. can be understood as that. Three phases of creation. Again, this can be analyzed in different ways. There's the, the creation or, or the manifestation of, or, of, the, of the cosmos, or, or, of the ingredients of the cosmos from first Mahavishnu, then Garbhodakshai Vishnu, then Brahma creates. And then uh, everyone is creating. Creation of byproducts. So there are various levels of creation. This is the, the nature of this material world. It is created, therefore it comes to an end. Vinimaya means... Uh, back and forth action and reaction this mature world is action and reaction in this way the material world is scientific analysis is possible in this material world in the spiritual world the science won't work because everything works directly according to Krishna's desire we'll discuss that Later today, Dhamna Svena, he exists forever, self-sufficiently, in his own abode. All right, we'll finish there. It's nine o'clock.